folks, welcome to another fun-filled episode of Seishura, the Music Explorers podcast. As always, I'm Scoot Magoo. Hi, I'm Elaine. And this is a little bit of a long time coming. I feel like we haven't done a kind of a, a, a topical webinar, so uh, webinar uh, podcast. Sorry, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> still get still yeah, got the I was, work I was, mind going. Was, wow. Okay. All right. Well. Then, I got the jitters out now, um, but yeah, I remember when we did our musical hot takes or unpopular opinions uh, episode. Um, I think I might have touched on this. I don't know if I fully explored it. Um, just the concept of you know what does an artist owe their fans and vice versa, um, and it was something that that kind of resonated with you, and we decided we wanted to do a full length episode on it and if i can you know quickly go to memory lane uh this really this specific framing of this topic first occurred to me with uh opeth i think it was around might have been between heritage and pale communion it might have been around pale communion um i knew people who were huge opeth fans after heritage came out and some of them legit i remember one one guy who i think he was on one of the blogs i used to work on um he said he was going to like burn all of his Opeth merch and was just like super, (laughs) like super, you know, bombastic about it. And just like, this is the worst thing ever in relation to heritage, Uh, which that that seemed a little much. (laughs) But on the flip side, I remember a specific uh, Mikhail Ockerfeld interview where he just was kind of, I don't know if he was just kind of, he was just having fun. Like, I I don't know if he, you know, he was kind of in on the joke, so to speak, but he basically acted like, I don't get what fans are talking about. Like, to me, this is all metal. Basically saying, like, oh, like, you know, I consider Deep Purple metal. And, like, acting that Neo Heritage, you know, this sounds like heavy music to me. Um, and just basically, like, as if fans didn't have a reason to be upset that the core sound they'd fallen in love with over, you know, over half a dozen albums, uh, it just, you know, totally evaporated. So I think it's an interesting, you know, I mean, those are two very extreme opinions, but... Just in general, obviously, you know, artists don't release perfect album after perfect album that leaves every single fan happy and no one's mad and everyone buys everything and everything's going great. You know, it, it's an interesting dynamic, the fan-artist relationship. And I, it, we both thought it was worth talking about. So, so I, I, yeah. I guess to open up to you, obviously you, you can take it wherever you want, but I was just curious why this specifically resonates, because we, we talk about a lot of things we go on a lot of tangents uh this one stuck out to you you know in an episode where we threw around a bunch of unpopular opinions or hot takes <laughs> so what why what specifically about this caught your attention so um i actually re-listened to the episode um earlier today just to uh remind myself of of what kind of piqued my interest i i think there there were some some things that you said i think um one was just kind of uh, I it, just this line: the artists owe more to their fans than we want to admit, in a way. Um, and I think just that you know, you also said that it's better for an artist to go out on a high note than to go out for too long. You know, so like, like you you compared it to a uh, to a good TV show, and yeah. you know also as well as that there's kind of like uh, because it, you know we were talking about um, that Godspeed. Um, uh, release of like their debut EP or whatever mm. on vinyl or you know what what have you and uh, you know your your thinking was like you know like sort of like there's a limited 
amount of music that we can literally like physically actually put in our ears and um you know so you, you kind of want something to be quality uh, but you know a- after that episode um i was thinking about it a little bit just the idea that artists owe more to their fans than we want to admit uh because we, we've we've done um we talked about this topic before uh many years ago um when i think this podcast went by a different name if i remember correctly so I'm technically counting it as a redux on uh, <laughs> on our official episode title, but um, yeah, I, you know, back then we um, maybe we were more um, at a maybe less cynical <laughs> than, than, than we are now because I I I vaguely remember our uh, thought our our agreed thought usually being like that you know the whole argument of artists oh their fans this and fans other artists that uh is is kind of specious at best you know and it's it's just kind of a like they don't really owe each other anything um and the more i think about it the more i mean if, if you want to just kind of dive into it i i think that we were simultaneously right and wrong but like it was kind of like we were wrong for the right reasons and right for the wrong reasons. Hmm. Um, because, I, you know, the the one thing that occurred to me um, after we recorded that Unpopular Opinions episode was that, um, you know, when it comes to quality and, you know, when it comes to... Because, you know, I, I think, you know, if, if, if I can sort of tease out a, a, a recurring theme from, you know, sort of like the, this, this, this year in particular of episodes um it's that we are um kind of uh, the the quality is 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 kind of wavering i think for us in some respects um at least like it it feels like that we're kind of hitting this this i this like media overload or at least i feel like i am um you know when it comes to music and i think with that, you know, we, you know, because we, we have, yeah, I think part of it is, excuse me, because the, um, I don't know if you can hear that in the background. That's the vacuum cleaner. I, I don't know why our vacuum cleaner is on right now, Let's, but, about it. um, a- anyway, yeah. So I was saying that, that like, you know, in an age of streaming, it feels like artists feel more and more willing, or maybe they just feel pressured to release more and more. And, um, you know, I think with that, the quality can often vary. And so, you know, that kind of got me thinking. And, you know, so what kind of got me thinking, well, specifically what I was thinking was that, you know, I, I, I think that sort of what artists owe their fans and what fans owe their artists isn't something that's exactly tangible. Like, it's not like it's this, you know, uh, set in stone rule. It's not like it's a you know like some sort of charter. It's not like constitution. You know, I I would say that I think, in the, maybe this is me being idealistic, but I I, I think that fans uh, artists owe their fans effort. They owe their fans effort in terms of you know feeling like what they come out with, regardless of if it's different from what they've done before or what have you is that they're actually putting in time and actually giving a shit about what they're putting out. 
uh, which I think should be, you know, a no-brainer, but, you know, (laughs) (laughs) we live in 2022. Um, But I think on top of that, um, I think fans owe their artists patience. You know, I, I think because, you know, very, you know, it's very easy to judge. It's very easy to dismiss. And it's harder to take yourself out of your own bubble and sort of see what an artist is doing and give what they're trying to do a fair shot uh, before ultimately dismissing it. And I'm not saying that, you know, either party is right in this regard that, you know, like, you know, I, I, what I mean is like, you know, if, if, if you want to dismiss it, like, you know, after you've given it a fair shot, like by all means, but like, I feel like if you're going to be a fan of an artist and you're looking forward to this album, you know, I feel like you got to give it a fair shot is all I'm saying. So, yeah, uh, I, I have a little more than that, but, um, that, that, that's kind of what I wanted to jump off with. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think it's a sliding scale depending on your relationship with, with, you know, with the artist. It, you, you asked me over the weekend or recently what I thought about new Father John Misty. Um, not, <laughs> didn't love the new one. Also didn't love the last one. And it, with a lot of other artists, if there were two consecutive albums that I, you know, don't hate, I don't think they're terrible, but I, they're just not really, you know, they're not really what I was expecting. They're not really, you know, not really wowing me. Uh, maybe I wouldn't, you know, continue to give him that much of a chance. Maybe I wouldn't be as willing to, um, you know, w- wouldn't be willing to give him, give him that leash to, to try new things and to, um, you know, give him my time, give him my, you know, my money. I, I procure on vinyl because I own all the stuff on vinyl. Um, but his first two albums, or his first three albums, are some of my favorite folk records ever. Um, some of my personal favorites for personal reasons, you know, very important records for, you know, in the four years of my wife and I relationship, we listened to, to his music a lot. Um, so I think just writing it off and, and, you know, kind of abandoning it after a while, um, when an artist has given you so much over the years, I think that's, you know, obviously at the end of the day, the theme of this episode there's an you know underlying thought of well you can do whatever you want like obviously there's no yeah. you're not forced to do anything but it just seems like if you truly care about music you care about the music that art, you know artists have created for you over the years you you owe them a little bit more you know a little bit more of your your time and your effort um, so at this point I don't know if I'll pre-order his next album on vinyl I'll certainly listen to it and even even this album I'm definitely I only listened you know through it once. Definitely going to listen through it multiple more times before I have a solidified opinion. But I, I, I just think that I don't know. I, I think I think it's for me. I, I just feel like it's more complicated on both sides of the coin. I, I think that yeah, it, that that's sure. really you know the one thing I would, I would want to you know uh, hammer down on throughout this episode is that it's, it's not you know especially with our attention being drawn so thin in the age of streaming, it's just not as you know, it's just not as easy as, as, you know, artists can do whatever they want, fans can do whatever they want. I feel like if you're a quote-unquote responsible music listener or, like, a responsible music creator, um, I, I mean, I think of this isn't necessarily, or it isn't a music example, but, and it's maybe not the best example considering who he is, but uh, the latter years of Woody Allen, um, 
there was an article <laughs> I read at one point where like it is kind of a poor example. I know, but, but just just <laughs> it stuck with me how like yeah. you know everyone would defend him because because of what he you know because of like his early work and stuff like that. And obviously we don't have to get into his personal stuff, but just on the his work itself, they would talk about how he like many people. And I don't even think they were anonymous sources. I think there were people on the record just saying that, like, he just clearly was not giving a shit. Like, he would he would do single takes of of stuff, like, not even do reshoots for the the. He would, you know, call off work, you know, call off the shoots early, like almost every day. Like, it just people were like, he just clearly is not does not care anymore. Mm-hmm. He's just going through the motions, doesn't care anymore. It's just the only, you know, just just putting out stuff just for the sake of putting out stuff for for a paycheck, and. Uh, I mean, I, I tried to think of it. I mean, it's hard because, I mean, I, I can't remember an artist going on the record about that. Uh, I mean, I can think of some examples. Um, there are a couple records in the middle of Deicide's career where they openly have talked about that, you know, the studio was pressuring them to put up a release. And just like in the process of writing and recording, they were like, yeah, this sucks. And they just they just kind of, you know, shoved it out. It's considered one of their worst records by everyone, including the band. Um, clearly, you, you owe your fans a little bit more than that, and I, I think what's mm-hmm. what's important to distinguish is it's not it's not even owing your fans a certain style. Like it's not you said you have to owe, you know, you have to put out exactly what you know what you've you've been releasing for years and what your fans expect. It's that you actually gave a shit. I mean, I mean you you know when you hear it, when you hear like an artist has kind of grown away from you and. You don't necessarily think the music is bad, but it, it's just, or, or like you, you don't think it's poorly done. It's just not your thing. Like I've definitely run into that yeah. at times. You know, I can't think of any specific examples. Um, I, you know what? I guess maybe the most recent St. Vincent record. Like I, I thought it was good and it was well made. I just didn't. It wasn't my favorite. Like it wasn't exactly what I was hoping from from her. Like she tried something new, and I was like, all right, cool. Like that's you know. This is definitely interesting. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I get what you're saying. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I, just to reiterate what you said as well is that you know, I, I think with, with art in general, like any sort of you know blanket statement just doesn't hold, you know, and so it, it really shouldn't be attempted in a way, uh, and I think we aren't trying to do some sort of blanket statement it's you know we're, we're more just you know um i mean i i guess the, the way i outlined sort of what i said was you know i think trying to use the loosest terms possible because i think it's you know it, I, I think it's two things that are kind of you know taken for granted it's just kind of obvious in a way that you know of course an artist you know wants to give a shit in a way you you would think and you know of course a fan would you know want to go along for the ride even if you know no matter how weird it might be you know because they're a fan you know <laughs> that's like so I, I i i don't think any of this is is really groundbreaking but you know that being said you know i i think that there's probably some some room for exception um in it i i do want to point out um well so i i think two things one is that you know this this whole situation kind of reminds me a lot of um you know to make sort of another like film example reminds me of what uh disney is doing with star wars right now <laughs> um like i mean i i loved star wars as a kid and i've loved it for a long time and uh it has 
it has been really, really disappointing to see what Disney's been doing with it. And, um, you know, similar to sort of how you feel about, like, you know, Father John Misty, you know, it's like you're kind of like, you know, I'll listen to the new album, but, like, I probably won't pre-order it, you know, when it comes out. But, you know, it's kind of the same thing for me right now with, like, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, I am really, really holding out hope that this thing is really good Mm -hmm. and, like, I want to watch it. And, uh, but, you know, if it, if it's bad, it's, it's not that I'm like wiping my hands of Star Wars. It's just like, I'm definitely going to be taking a backseat though. <laughs> like, it's definitely not going to be as, as, um, as, as, as big of a thing for me as it, as it has been. Uh, n- not that it's a massive thing to begin with for me, but, um, yeah, I, you know, I would also, I, I, after I wrote down these notes uh, earlier, um, I was listening to uh, Black Star, um, not the David Bowie album, but the the hip hop group, yep. um, because I, I had taken uh, their debut out, and I mean, you, you know that they're uh, coming out with a new album, right? Yeah, I just saw that the other day. I was I was imagining we'd we talk about it at some point. Yeah, because um, this is uh, I mean, like I was thinking of this as I looked into it because not to get nitpicky, but I think. If you know, if you want something more concrete, aside from these like these like abstract concepts of like, oh, artists should you know give a shit and fans should you know withhold their judgment, at least to a point, um, you know, I I feel like in a more concrete light, I think artists owe their fans a way to actually listen to their music, yeah, yeah like in full, yeah. Because um, I don't know if you saw this, but the new Black Star album is being released on some podcast network exclusively. Oh, and it's and it's not even like a. Um, I did not see that. Wow. Yeah, it, it's not even like Spreaker or like, you know, I don't know, even Spotify or something. It's like this this like obscure podcast network that I've never heard of. And and I just like I don't get that. Like you have like one you're like one of the most celebrated hip hop groups in like the history of the genre, and you're like. You know, this has been a reunion that's, like, been, you know, people have been wanting this for decades now. And yet you're just like, no, fuck it. You know, we're, 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 we're going to make sure this only appeals to a very, very niche number of people, uh, you know, in, in an effort to, you know, I don't know. just I, I don't know how much they were paid for exclusivity rights or what have you. But, like, wouldn't you want people to actually listen to your album? Yeah, I mean, that's a... That's a pretty low bar for, for yeah. <laughs> like I, I I've always, you know, whether it's with you know, you know, streaming specifically title exclusives, um, I think again this is this is super not music related, but uh, Dancing with the Stars is apparently going to become I think a Disney Plus exclusive, and th- that's something <laughs> that I assume their target audience is like older folks who are notoriously very tech savvy, so that's a great idea. Um, but it's just, it's interesting to me that like that example, you know, I didn't bring it up just for shits and giggles. I think that example is actually really important is that oftentimes not only is it kind of a fuck you to your, your fans, I don't even think it accomplishes the state of purpose. Obviously this, the, the point of doing that is you're trying to raise interest in revenue for whatever exclusive platform you're using. Like you're, you're, you're trying to. You know, either you know you want to increase notoriety or you know increase awareness of that platform, or you want to make more money because people are willing to pay a premium 
four or whatever you know whatever that whatever the the medium is but i just feel like i feel like you could do both nowadays like i feel like mm. you can like you don't have to choose like I, I i feel like you can it would ultimately be a wash because we've, we've talked about before one of my favorite things you've said in relation to music was you know how do you know you like something you know because you've listened to it at some point at some point you've accessed it so like you know what's the likelihood you're gonna buy a band's merch you're gonna go see a band you're gonna buy you know their you know the record on vinyl or buy a cd or something you know if you have access to listen to it you have access to become a fan then because of course if any band like the, the fact that people were able to you know interact with their music organically the first time around with their you know with their debut which is obviously a you know modern hip-hop classic that is enabling them to do this whatever this is <laughs> with, with yeah. the pocket like it, it's only it's only available and that's something that kind of sucks is the fact that you know like there's no well-known artist that is doing this just out of the gun like it's obviously it's an artist that did things in the normal way and they're like well now that um i have enough of a platform to not give a shit i'm gonna try doing you know xyz which i don't know i mean i, I feel like it, it depends on the artist because i think you know if you're if you're kind of in like the mainstream yes but like you know if you're like an independent artist you know i i i know there are so many like bands out there that just have their stuff on Bandcamp and nowhere else mm. you know but it, it's it's kind of that's kind of like an exception to the rule almost yeah and, and i feel like with, with this with this conversation um i mean i feel like we kind of have to bring up zorn right i i mean mm. he, he's he's definitely built up enough of a following that i don't know if he really has to i don't want to say he doesn't have you, to care you can, you can buy like, all of his albums on um on on itunes um i mean that being said itunes really isn't a thing anymore in some <laughs> respects but um you can still buy it there uh but yeah i i, I totally i know what you mean like you know he it, it, he definitely doesn't make it easy for people to actually listen to your music like to his music you know um I, I guess I would say, like, you know, I, I, I feel like the inverse of this argument, because I, I think to apply this to the fans as well, is that I, I think, you know, in this dynamic, I think fans owe the artists by actually supporting their artists, because I yeah. think that's in some ways why we're why these artists are doing these things and making these choices, because they don't really have the support. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, like they, you know, the, the record labels aren't clearly aren't really supporting them in the way that they probably need it. And I think that there's a way for fans to directly, uh, you know, support them in some way. And I just don't think it's happening right now. I think, you know, just, you know, part of it is, you know, just kind of um, the inertia, uh, kind of the 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 still still continuing changes that streaming is bringing to the music industry. Um, but I think part of it is just, you know, the, the fact that, you know, we, 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 we talked about this, you know, when we talked about, um, uh, that, that book on music piracy It's just, you know, when you can just steal, you know, something where you can just download an album for free. I mean, you know, there's, there's clearly, you know, a lack of support in a sense there, you know? And so, you know, and, and I think, 
you know, COVID as well, you know, is kind of throwing a wrench into things because, you know, as we've talked about, you know, a lot of these artists, like their final refuge for actually making a living has been, you know, being able to tour and do live shows. And it's like, whoops, can't do that anymore. You know, so it's um, I, I, I think the it's just it's definitely a give and take. Like, it's frustrating to have these artists make these sort of choices. But I think in some lights, it makes sense. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And the mantra I've always said is that you know it's you know everyone is trying to adjust to the reality of you know kind of our our streaming you know post streaming apocalypse so to speak <laughs> and yeah it's just people are trying to replace you know people buying music you're like the, the way that the entire music industry was structured previously with streaming and different avenues that just are not going to do it like if the vast majority of people are not buying music then it's just not going to happen it's you just can't bridge that gap all that to say yeah. that is the listener not holding up their end of the bargain not to say that they you know every listener has to you know spend an exorbitant amount on you know super expensive vinyl pressing they have to go see them live they have to do xyz but you know some means of at the very least just not pirating them you <laughs> even if it's something like you know i don't know yeah like, like just maybe buying you know a sticker you know or you know it, it it definitely doesn't need to be this this huge you know it's i i i don't think i think most artists aren't expecting fans to bow down and worship them <laughs> you know uh some some might that be that begin with a k but <laughs> you know Ooh, uh... that's, I'm interested who that is. I, it, Katy Perry. Oh. You know? <laughs> no, I, 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 we, we both know who we were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> no, but it's, it's interesting because um, there was a label who, I think they, they were somewhat in, uh, called, uh, I think they're defunct now, so I don't feel as bad as, you know, naming that, but uh, uh, Blood Music. Like, I think that they were very, even in the grand scheme of, like, vinyl pressing, they were very slow and not super communicative to get you know get people stuff they ordered, etc. Like there's some things about them that you know they think the uh, the owner could be a little combative. However, they released a you know some some good music and specifically there was one thing that I don't recall ever seeing it before you know their band camp, but they had you know all of their music was name your price and they had a specific tier system like recommended like. If you know if if your budget's tight, we recommend you paying you know pay X. If you're you know doing pretty well, we recommend you pay Y. If you're doing very well, we recommend you, you pay Z. And then of course there was always the option if you're really struggling, you could just download the digital album for free uh, from Bandcamp. And I thought that was interesting. It kind of gave like, you know gave literal tiers based on like hey to, you know depending on your means, like if you want to, we appreciate that you you want to you know give a shit and support our artists. You know here's kind of a you know you don't if you don't have seven nine bucks to spend on an album you know do five do four do three yeah and i think that's that's interesting is that it's just it's again it kind of goes back to the other side of the coin where you said what do artists owe their fans just to just to give a shit to like put an honest effort even if you know fans don't like the music at least they tried um same token yeah. with fans that you gave enough of a shit to you know support your, the artist in some way yeah i mean i i remember like um 
<laughs> such a strange example, but um, there's an episode of The Simpsons, like from like way back in the day, where where I think Bart meets Krusty the Clown for the first time, and he says something along the lines of like, you know, you owe your fans, you know, for all of like the years that they've given you, or you know, something like that, uh, or you, you know, and I've always found that to be kind of weird reasoning Mm -hmm. because it's i i think part of the reason is just that it's it's not one-sided it's very much like you know it's it's a symbiotic relationship here Mm -hmm. you know it's you know it isn't just we're all taking and you know they're all giving you know It, it has to be reciprocal or the whole system falls apart you know, and I think maybe that's the problem is that it isn't reciprocal right now. And so it's falling apart, <laughs> you know, but it's like, how, how do you reciprocate, you know? Um, and mm. I think with, with blood music, you know, that that's an interesting idea yeah. uh, because I, I think, you know, not only is that just a good idea in terms of like, you know, making sure that somebody, you know, like that something is being like some sort of money is being transacted, but, um, you know, it, it, it sort of reminds me of, like, how, like, you know, you have all these Patreons coming up that are, like, have, like, a gazillion and a half tier, like, lists that, that are, like, all about these exclusive bonuses that you get for being able to pay more. And, like, in my mind, I'm like that. So you're just you're just giving yourself more and more work for not a ton more money. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like. It doesn't seem like it makes a whole lot of sense. Whereas, like, having just an open-ended tier system makes a whole lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, I you know, I, all this to say is just, you know, I, I that was just one more concrete example of, you know, sort of this this idea of, like, maybe how this maybe should go if, if we're going to get kind of idealistic here and, and, you know, kind of climb up on our soapbox. Um it's definitely not an an easy question to answer. I don't really think there's an answer per se. Like I, I you know, I think what we've brought to the table are, you know, possible. Like like I, I think it's like as non-solution as we can get in a way. Like like w- w- without just saying nothing, mm-hmm. because I, I I think it's just like, you know, again, the the more you try to pigeonhole, you know, art, the more it just doesn't work. You know, it's it, it, it's like trying to explain comedy, like it's it just you know, <laughs> the, the the more you do it, the less funny it actually is. Yeah, yeah, I I I definitely think it's a little tricky because you know that's why I, I was a little bit tepid in introducing this the last time is because you know obviously you, you, you can't tell anyone what to, what to do. Obviously, an artist is allowed to write whatever they want and the thing has a lot to dis you know to not like it but i just yeah. it feels like there's i mean it's it's a significant you know significant relationship obviously you know fans rely heavily on their uh or see artists rely heavily on their fans and artists can you know be a really huge part of a fan's life you know their, their mental health they can be a really important yeah. component of, of 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 their lives um if, but you know i I, I think this kind of calls into question as well, like kind of this, you know, because I, I think part of the reason that, that both of us, you know, in our previous version of this episode, you know, kind of went for like a kind of more of a hands off approach was that, you know, I, I think for artists to do their best work, they need to not have 
they, they not like not like like they don't have to have that pre- they shouldn't have that pressure in a way of of thinking about oh what do I owe my fans or what have you because it it just seems like kind of like a um you know kind of like a boxing in you know a, a stipulation you know whereas I think when you're given free reign I think you're I I I feel like you know you are being able to move forward not only with your own artistic career but i think culture in general like even if you know the extent of your reach is just you know minute you're still affecting the culture in some respect um and i i think just trying to put you know trying to like tamp that down at all just feels like you're kind of putting like you know you know chains on on somebody Mm -hmm. and that that's not a good vibe you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so it's, you know, but the, I mean, like, I don't know, I, it, it's definitely something that I think about a lot, you know, but when, um, I would always hear, you know, I've gone to, um, you know, I, I studied, I studied creative writing, um, you know, uh, when I went to graduate school and, you know, I've been to, um, I remember going to this, this writing seminar, uh, kind of like day at, uh, Southern New Hampshire university. Like it was kind of like, um. Yeah, kind of like, yeah, it was like a writer's conference. And, um, you know, I the one thing I would hear a lot between all of these and as well as um, like sort of like online writing communities is that, oh, you always have to think about your audience, you know, and you have to think about like what they want. And like, you know, the idea is like you need to have at least one person who, you know, you actually care about or like, you know, who actually cares about your book. In a way, like you, you got to have that audience that you're thinking about that you're writing for. But it's like, I, I, I always find that argument to be flawed because you know, like, of course there's going to be somebody who wants to read what you want to read. Like you know, like if if you're writing what you want to write, that's already one person. You're already your own audience. You know, like the the, the whole question becomes kind of moot, and it it just seems like, you know, a, I I think maybe the provisio with that like sort of the the unspoken. Um, caveat is is that you know if you want to make art that sells you need to have an audience you know <laughs> yeah it, definitely it's very much contingent on your your goals you know do, do you want to make like you said do you want to make art that sells do you want to make art that makes you happy do you want to make art that pleases your old fans do you want to make art that'll attract new fans it's just you know in creating art it is the complex Venn diagram of you know of all those different um, yeah. you know of all those different it's, it's a mandala uh, as opposed to a Venn diagram, yeah, right? Exactly. Uh, I had, I don't know if you have additional thoughts, but I had one you know, kind of tangent that occurred to me as I was thinking about this topic. Go uh, for it. Yeah. How does this come into the live setting? Because, you know, people often say that going to see a band live, you know, buying their merch, those are the two best ways to, you know, truly financially support an artist but I, I feel like it's like it, it, it's quite a commitment to go see an artist live and mm. I think I mean there's some extreme examples I mean one example that came to mind was or a couple what about a band like Ministry like what if there are people who want to hear you know synth pop ministry and not industrial metal ministry you know, what about people who go to see AFI 
do they want to see like you know hardcore punk AFI or do they want to see you know moody post punk AFI? You know, it's it's interesting the uh, continuum of fandom. I mean, I I haven't I haven't seen Opeth or even watched any like Opeth live videos, but I'm curious how they handle that. Do they play career spanning sets? You know, especially now that they have what three dedicated prog rock albums four, four. four? yeah I, think, I was gonna right? say because it's it's heritage pale um, communion pale communion sorceress, sorceress and then, new, whatever the new and then um it. yeah the the last one so, so <laughs> th- that's certainly plenty of material to just play newer stuff do they you know do they pull out you know ghost of perdition or, or, or whatever do they pull out any any um older songs so i, I feel like it's interesting it's kind of interesting you know dynamic that occurred to me is that you know one of the many artists will say one of the best ways you can support us is come see us live okay well you know what's what's the set list like like yeah like yeah what what am like am am i gonna get anything that's worth it to me yeah exactly i mean i'm thinking like when i saw slipknot i think they did an excellent job of doing a real career spanning set of, of kind of touching on new old medium uh, when we saw Billy Joel, like I thought he did a great, great job. Like, of, but, but Billy Joel came to my mind when yeah. you when you started talking about this. Yeah. yeah, I think he did a great job of of just giving you know giving fans of different eras what they want. But especially when you talk about artists that have significantly changed their sound, or, or you know, if they really because obviously you want to play songs from the new new album so that people listening be like, oh wow, that's really good. And, you know, what song? Oh, it's on the new one. Maybe I should buy that. Like that's obviously the main reason they do that. You know, what if you have you know not a fan of the new stuff? You're like, great, I paid all this money to come out. Uh, I mean, I don't really have an answer because obviously, yeah, you know, I, especially when you get to a point where um, you have that much material, creating a set list must be a nightmare because you you go into it knowing you're not going to please everyone, like not even close. So you just you kind of just have to do yeah. the best you can to <laughs> to make a set list. It's it's fascinating the the way you're thinking about this because i i honestly didn't even consider it like that like when you brought up ministry i i was thinking like well you know the ministry of like the synth pop years just doesn't exist anymore so like wouldn't that be kind of like i don't know like disingenuous that you're kind of going back in the past for that but like the way you put i'm like okay i i I get what you mean you know and i i you know i i think you know conversely you know I think going, you know, for, for on a, on the fan side, you know, I think just going to a show in some ways isn't, you know, enough in, in some way. Or like, you know, like it's it, sometimes it's not even like the material that an artist plays. Like sometimes it's just an artist actually giving a shit about the show that they're putting on. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, again, not all of them do that, you know, like it, you, you know how like there are some bands that will like, you know, the curtain time is like eight o'clock at night yeah. and it'll be like nine, 10 o'clock and they'll finally come on. Mm-hmm. Like that is that sort of shit that like, is like really pushing the envelope and like in, in not a good way. Like, it's just like, you're, you're just, it feels kind of like a dick move. Cause it's like, of, of course you've been, of course you're there before eight o'clock. Like, you know, we, we like, you know, it, it's not like Elvis has just entered and left the building, you know? <laughs> It's, yeah, it, it it's complicated, for sure. And I mean, you got to hand it. I think you know, if you kind of want to take, you know, um, 
maybe not like a, a detour, but just I think if you want to look at this from a different angle, I think it's really, you know, you, you, you got to hand it to someone like Bruce Springsteen who just, you know, genuinely cares about what he's doing, mm-hmm. you know, or at least in terms of being able to like, you know, give something to his fans that have given him this much success, mm-hmm. you know, like, and he's very cognizant of that, you know, whereas like, you know, I, I think the typical like, you know, quintessential rock star attitude is to be like, nah, fuck the fans, man. You know, like we're, we're going to show up two hours late and we're going to be drunk. <laughs> it's like, we're, we're not, we're only going to play songs from the new album, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's it. So, I mean, I, I, I guess all to say is just like, while it's very easy to get negative about this, I think that there are definitely a lot of positives because I think there are a lot of fans who really do care about their artists i think it's just like we are in the middle of a massive shift in you know the way we consume media like like not just music but just all media and i think it becomes difficult you know like people don't really know how to support an artist anymore you know and i think when we think about how you know corporatized everything has been you know i mean it's i think it's always been corporatized but i think in some ways, the lines, you know, um, are becoming very clear of how, you know, uh, divided it is, be, be, like between um, independent and and you know, corporate art, you know, essentially, um, you know, it, it just becomes grayer and grayer, more difficult to figure out what the right thing to do is without, you know, spending half of your paycheck trying to support all these different people, you know. I think that that's part of the reason I think why why streaming just takes off in such a way because you know you're you're not you're just paying the, this one fee you know and it's like there you go you know that works but I mean it, it doesn't work but I mean people think it does but yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and I think again that gets back to the you know putting your best best effort best foot put forward on both sides you know obviously you know, you could tell an artist gives a shit about their their live show, the music they're putting out, like they care about their fans. Like again, you may not like the set list, you may not like, you know, the style they're they're trying out, but like you can tell when they really put a lot of effort into, you know, what they're doing. And, and I think you know, that could be a you know, double edged sword in a way. I'm thinking about Father John Misty, um, you know, when we saw him live years ago, he had three you know, three albums out. He played pre- I think all but one song I was hoping he'd play. Like he really did a career spanning set. It helped that he was the headliner with only one, you know, one opener. Um, mm-hmm. But his new album is very orchestra, you know, or- orchestral, uh, orchestra heavy. And I think that this tour, he's touring with, with an orchestra. So you have to think he's going to play a lot of songs from his new record, which again, I didn't really love. So I would never love to see. I mean, maybe, but maybe it could be like a Metallica S&M sort of thing where like, you know, he's reworking a bunch of his songs to work with, an orchestra yeah for sure I, I mean i would definitely i would i would want to see the you know <laughs> i would want to see some clips first just because he's playing at some pretty big venues now so i assume it'd be a little a little pricey but you all that to say that you know i feel like buying all his records on vinyl you're going to see him once you know you don't want to set you know quantify you know you have to you have to pay this you have, you have to be this much of a fan to count you know so to speak but it's just putting your best foot forward, you know. Yeah, like that's the thing is, I, I, I don't think you know, 
you, you don't need to like Shylock yourself. You know, you, you you don't need to give somebody a pound of flesh, you know, to to support them as an artist. You know, it's I, I, I think that's kind of the thing is is just. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I actually I was emailing this. I've been emailing this guy because uh, we, we kind of gel with like a lot of like weird music. Um, and he said that he had uh, he had just traveled to Texas just to see Lydia Lunch and Martin Rev live. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like, you know, and like, that's because he's like a massive fan of like, you know, no wave music and like suicide. And, uh, you know, so like, and he has like, you know, something like 10 different copies of James Chance's first album, you know, like, so he's like a massive fan. So like, you know, that like, that's what makes him happy. So it's just like, go for it. But like, I, I don't think artists like I, I don't think fans are expected to go that far. And conversely, I, I feel like, you know, an artist shouldn't have to suck off a fan, you know, like it, it, it just seems kind of, you know, like an, I, I feel like an artist is, is into uh, or a fan is into an artist because of their original ideas, not because it's, you know, doing exactly what they want. Yeah. Exactly, like, yeah. and, and realistically, you can't you can't do that level of fandom for I mean, probably for one one artist each, so to speak. Like I feel like everyone could probably have at most one one artist that they go to that length to support. Um, there's only so much time, so much so much money, so much like like yeah. really, my my friend Kyle, huge fan of of Cage the Elephant. He loves Cage the Elephant. Um, and so, you know, he, he buys all their stuff and he, you know, went to go see them live in Connecticut. Like he just, that, that's his, that's his thing. But like, I, I mean, he likes other bands, but like, it's just really easy. Like, boom, like you're, you're KG Elephant's your favorite band. And like that, that's cool. Like, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's sometimes I do wish cause you know, they, they, I know people who like, they like a much, you know, smaller pool of music but they love it probably more intensely than i do relative to the musicians mm -hmm. i like just because it's it's more limited they can they can kind of focus more of their time efforts resources etc on that um so I, I i just i don't know like sometimes i think wouldn't it be cool but uh, in general i just really like that I prefer the broad brush approach. I, I really do prefer liking a lot of different music. Like, you know, I know I yeah. know people only listen to certain genres. Like, I have one friend in high school I, I talk about a lot. Literally only listen to a certain subset of extreme metal. Like, very particular taste. And it, it's just like... Mm. I just can't imagine that. Like, there's just so much good music across the spectrum. I just I just can't... I can't imagine limiting, limiting myself. And sure, maybe, maybe that, you know, throws some artists to the wayside. But... Um, I, I just don't really, I don't really think that it's, I don't think it's worth it. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's like, you can't possibly support all the artists you love to that degree, to the degree of like a, like for me, I think of like the mountain goats, like I bought all their stuff, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I probably supported them more than any other artists in my collection. Um, I just, you can't do that to that degree across the board. Mm. Again, you just have to try your best. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and I think that, you know, if it's one of those things, it's like if if more people could kind of get on it, like the whole like the whole amount of money people would have to pay would be less anyway, weirdly enough, um, which I, I I'm sure some somebody will probably uh, interpret as like some sort of like voodoo economic sort of, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I, I think I'm just going more off the idea that, you know, uh, th- this idea of reciprocity. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really don't think I have anything more to add here. Um, do you have anything else? No, I guess I'm ready to hop on to albums of the week. Yeah. So, uh, what, what do you got then? Uh, I added just cause, you know, save on shipping costs. I added a CD, which I already owned, but I saw an addition that I did not know existed. And so I added it to my pre-order of the new Father John Misty album, got it in the mail at the same time, listened to it, and I'm glad I have the two CD edition. And it is Hardcore Will Never Die, But You Will by Mogwai. Oh, okay. Um, it's a great installment, one of the probably one of my favorite albums from their discography. Just a Yeah, I I remember you being really into that. Yeah, it's just um, or no no it, I I'm I'm thinking of it's um what what what's the one with the head on oh, it? Oh come on die young. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I really like Mogwai. I think they they straddle the line between kind of punchy post, like kind of the rock in post rock, and then they write some really nice kind of moody atmospheric ballads. I think uh, Hardcore Will Never Die With You Will strikes that balance really really well. Um, starts starts you know rave tapes. The album that came after was very electronic. I think this one really started to angle in that direction. Uh, but the second disc, I guess, was a you know long. I think almost 30 minute piece accompanying like an art exhibit or something like that. Uh, I didn't recognize the name, but uh, it was a really, really cool soundscape. Basically just, you know, exactly what you, you like, appreciate, expect from Mogwai, you know, more or less through like an ambient soundscape lens. And I really enjoyed it. It was kind of a nice capstone to the record and it was cool. It's kind of cool to have a nice, I like the almost gatefold packaging of, uh, of the two CD set, and I'm really glad that I that I grabbed it. Nice, nice. I, I, you know, I Mogwai has been one of those bands that I've just I don't think I've ever listened to a full album of theirs. Uh, I, I I remember borrowing "Come On Die Young" from you, and I I don't think I ever listened to it in full. I and it's I don't know I I I, I think I just I had my post rock phase, and, and I it just didn't last long with me. Um, not to say that I, you know there aren't post rock albums that I have, but I I just it's not I don't know I, I I'm just it's not really something I'm actively seeking I guess. Um, yeah, I mean I'm not. Uh, I mean I could see certain post rock records like really I, I know it's been hit or miss for you over the years, but I think yeah there's certain certain genres for all of us that just you know never really. Never be your thing, or at least fully. Well, it, it's not that it's not my thing, because, I mean, like, there are some good post-rock albums out there. It's just, like, I, I think of just, like, Mogwai in particular. I'm just, like, it, it's more like I just totally missed the bus, and I just, it, but, but like, rather than, like, run after it and try to catch up with it at, like, the next stop, I just kind of went back home. <laughs> um, and it's, like, nothing against Mogwai. I just never, yeah, did, did, just never made that connection. Interesting. Yeah. Um. You know, what's funny is that my album of the week, I think, 
you could almost consider it post-rock in a way, but I mean, it'd be a very, very generous um, uh, tag, you know? Uh, it is uh, an album that I think is underrated um, and shat on a lot, uh, and it is uh, A Thousand Suns by Linkin Park. Um, nice. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, like, why... It feels like this album is just so ignored by a lot of people that, like, I think it's just, like, the people who like Linkin Park, like Hybrid Theory, Meteora, and, you know, everybody who hates Linkin Park just hates all of it. And so you just, you, you just can't fucking win, you know, with, with like, you know, I mean, I, I, I kind of get it when it came to, um, oh, what, what was the album that came before A Thousand Suns? Um, and it was after Meteora. I can't uh, remember the name oh, of it uh, now. Minutes like, M- 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 yeah. that's yeah, like, you know, I, I think that confused a lot of people, um, you know, and A Thousand Sons is just like even a further, you know, taking away from that. You know, it's just I, I wait. I, have you listened to it, by the way? I, I've listened to it probably once through. I don't recall too much of it, honestly. Yeah, because I, I mean, I remember being kind of like meh about it um, when it came out. Uh, but I really, really grew to love it. Um, and just putting it on again, I'm like, I I just, like, I, I think this is, like, Linkin Park's, like, best album in a way. Like, it's it's not my favorite, but I really love it. Um, it and I think when it comes to, you know, sort of that part of their career that, like, they're not doing, you know, the, what they sort of got famous for, you know, I, I think it's super strong, you know, and it's just weirdly out there i mean there there are some points that are you know kind of cringy um but i mean it's overall i think it's just super super good like i i just love this thing um you know and like there's no short of like you know hip-hop parts on it but it's kind of like its own thing kind of weird electronic parts too all the way through it and yeah i don't know just just a great great album uh, that I really wish more people would uh, would kind of pay attention to. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. I mean, I I, uh, I mean, I, I liked all the the hits from Minus to Midnight. Um, obviously, the the first two albums, you know, Meteor was the first CD I bought with my own money, but never really ventured much past that. So I, I feel like I should, I should yeah. check it out at some point. I, I, I never went past the Thousand Suns. I think if I remember right, uh, a hunting party came after it. You that or um, maybe there was one album. I don't know. I I, I just kind of fell off after that because I think by the time I got into a Thousand Suns, I was already into like you know a million other things. It that caught my attention a lot more. So I you know Linkin Park just kind of like fell by the wayside. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I still think it's just a great album. I, I don't know. I you know, maybe it's just me, but I, I just think that I mean I again I, I, I just like people really slept on this thing. And, and I genuinely do not understand why. Because it's it's really good. Um but nice. anyway, I, I, I won't I won't push it, so <laughs> I feel like I'm already repeating myself. No, I I definitely uh I remember, I remember when it came out you liked it and I uh I really should check it out again. I definitely want to do it once and enjoy it. Maybe we should do an album dare on it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'll have to put that in our notes at some point. Um, Okay, well, 
Uh, until then, uh, we are going to head out. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. All right, bye. Bye.